Well, hey everyone, this is Athena and welcome to the All Things Podcast, where we gather once a week to learn and share stories about how God works all things together, writing a story of good because He is faithful and good. Every Wednesday, I'll be chatting with a friend who I know and respect, one of our Redemption Press authors, who will not only share a personal Romans 8.28 story, but also help to give you tips and tools for your life journey. Two episodes a month, we'll have an additional interview with a well-known author, and the other two episodes will include a time for Insider Insights, where I'll answer publishing questions from our listeners. So hey, Let's get started. There you go. There go. Okay. Perfect. All right. Well, welcome to our episode today of the All Things Podcast. I am here today with the amazing Blythe Daniels to kick off our time together. And then during the second half of the show, I will introduce you to Redemption Press author, Mary McCullough, author of Glorious Mess, From Broken to Bold and Beautiful. So welcome to the All Things Podcast, Blythe. It's a delight to have you on. Thank you so much, Athena. I'm so excited to talk with you today. Yeah, well, we see each other at conferences all the time, but this is a whole different thing to do with getting to interview you as an author as opposed to talking to you as an agent. So before we start our conversation, I would like to give you a proper introduction for our listeners. So Blythe Daniel is a literary agent and marketer with 20 plus years of experience in publishing. She is a speaker at writers conferences and is interviewed for podcasts and webinars. She links hundreds of bloggers with millions of readers through Blog About. She has written for folks on the family, Today's Christian Living, and others. Her passion is helping authors share their unique stories. She is the daughter of Dr. Helen McIntosh and co-author of Mended, Restoring the Hearts of Mothers and Daughters. She lives in Colorado with her husband, daughter Maris, and boy-girl twins, Kaylin and William. And I'm going to share a few little known facts about Blythe. Uh, she grew up in the South and uh, has made pound cakes since she was nine years old, memorizing the recipe since then. Wow. So you had to adjust the altitude or yeah, the, adjust for the altitude when you moved to Colorado. I can't have, did you sort of did have to go longer or shorter? <laughs> I added one more egg. So now there's seven eggs in that delicious recipe. <laughs> ah, nice. <laughs> yeah. So she and her husband got engaged after seeing each other twice, lived in separate states and have been married for almost 16 years. Wow. That's a story right there. She got her concealed carry permit in 2000 and has trained in some classes to respond to crisis. I love that. I have been saying I need to go get mine and I haven't done it yet. So you just inspired me. She does Zumba several times a week. Dancing is her fave. And her first job was in radio back in 1992 as an intern. I love I didn't know that about you. I knew we had that connection and we hadn't really gotten a chance to talk about it, but yes, yeah. that's, it's a good place to 
It's a good place to be, isn't it? Yes, 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 yes. I love it. So, okay, before we kind of talk specifically about your book, um, I would just love for our listeners to hear your Romans 828 story. And, and I know we all have lots of those kinds of stories in our lives, but, you know, just share one with us that will give our listeners a peek into your life and how God has been faithful. You know, because we are talking about mothers today, and this is a great example because God has really given my mom and I a Romans 828 story. Um, I'll just simply say that she and her mom did not have a good relationship growing up and it was difficult for her. She wanted to have a good relationship. So over the years, as we have invested in our relationship, you know, we thought we had things going along pretty well. And I'll tell you, um, there were some events and particularly her journeying through cancer a few years ago that really brought our relationship into a sharper focus because um, God used that to show us that we needed to be able to speak into each other's lives and we needed to hear from each other. And so I was put into a role, Athena, of being the one who was then caregiving for my mom in a sense. And so it was a really difficult time um, to be walking through what my mom has called the valley of the shadow. But you know what, you know, God healed her and we're so grateful for that. Mm-hmm. Had he not healed her, we would still be praising him. But he used that to sharpen our relationship and to give us new eyes to see things we had not seen before. So I love how God is in the restoration business and he does work things for our good, for his glory. And sometimes it's hard to see that when you're walking through it. Um, but, but we know we can trust him. And that's, that's to me, the biggest takeaway from that season. Amen. And you know, just with everything that's going on right now in our world with COVID-19 and us being, you know, sequestered at home and under just, you know, pressure that we're just not used to, I would think the whole, just as mothers, um, there's got to be a lot of stress in those relationships, mother-daughter relationships, um, just being a mom and, and coming up on Mother's Day, that's always a tough time of year anyway for those who are mothers but don't want to be mothers, are not mothers and want to be mothers, you know, all, just all of the things that we experience in our life as mothers that can be disappointments or, or things don't go as planned. And we're heading into a Mother's Day that's going to be different than anyone we've ever experienced before. It's so true. And, and, you know, many daughters who have lived away, maybe college or um, maybe in another state, some of those family members are finding themselves back home right now, caring for loved ones, or maybe they're home because their college season ended earlier. And so mothers and daughters particularly are, are in these close quarters again, some for the first time in a while. And I've talked with um, a couple of families and many of them are saying that they are, they're working on their relationship because they're, they're there together all the time. And they're putting into practice some of the things that my mom and I have talked about in our book Mended, which is to listen, to listen well and to talk to the person and restate, is this what you're saying? And I can understand, you know, how you might be feeling this way and, you know, talking about some of the issues that are at hand 
And when you're in that close of a situation, being able to talk but listen is so important. And so some of these relationships that have been estranged, we'll say, or they've been just apart for, from distance, now, now that we're social distance, we don't want to be family distanced. And so some of these relationships are coming in into closer vision. And so what do we do in those, when those moments? How do we address awkward situations? And so we're finding that this is a great time for mothers and daughters to interact and begin to initiate a closer relationship by asking some, some questions that uh, we call conversation starters or relationship starters. So we see it as a positive. Yes, we need to make the most of this opportunity instead of, you know, the world is, you know, drinking more and just trying to escape. And here we have this on a silver platter and, you know, where we're able to actually start those conversations and, and start that healing process that maybe was a little easier to keep at a distance before. It's true because when you are, you know, when you're with each other and you especially Especially when the events that have happened, you know, in our country, in our world, a lot of people are calling to check on family. If they're not physically together right now, people are concerned and it has brought a heightened awareness of how much relationships matter and families matter. And so I think some people even want to just make sure that they're getting it right with their family, that they're doing what they can to say what they need to say. And I, I think anytime we can highlight where, we, where we've been at fault, you know, we can't expect for the other person to necessarily take responsibility for their previous words and actions against us, but we can be the ones that can say, you know, I really want to have a better relationship with you. And I, I really care about you. And I, I honestly don't know what to say right now, but I want you to know that I want to do my part. And what do you see that looking like? What do you think that I can do to help make things better between us? So something that simple is a great entry point into having some of these bigger discussions that, like you said, we might not have had otherwise. Yes. And, and I love that you just gave some language to that conversation because, you know, sometimes when we have issues with our relationship with our moms or with our daughters, you know, either way, the words don't come out very easily because, of just whatever pain is still there and not dealt with. And you just gave some great, you know, the kinds of questions that you can ask to make it a safe time to talk about things, which really leads me into my question from your book, Mended, Restoring the Hearts of Mothers and Daughters. Where do mothers and daughters most often get it wrong or have conflict? I think one of the biggest areas that mothers and daughters have conflict or where, where we get it wrong with each other is um, trying to live our lives through the other person or trying to change or control that other person. I mean, I've seen it my, in myself with my own daughters and, um, you know, writing a book, you, you would think that you'd be a little more aware of, of what you say and how you act, but I can find myself trying to control the outcome of a situation that they're in or trying to control what they wear or what they say or how they act around their grandparents. And so, you know, no one likes being told what to do or to feel like they're being controlled. And, and so I think that what happens is over years of time, we, we just sometimes don't even have the courage to speak up and say that feels like control. Um, and so my mom made me promise that when I went off to college, she said, if you, if you feel like that I'm controlling you, 
you in a certain area. I need you to say to me, mom, that feels like control. So I had gotten permission from her um, to, to be able to say that when I was leaving and moving into my own life. But I think for some moms that feels threatening because they, they take it personal. And, if, and um, I think when we can just remember to always put the relationship above our differences and ahead of our differences so that the relationship is more important than who gets what right or who says what. And, and, and so I think one of the things that we, another conversation that we sometimes will have with each other, my mom and I, um, is something like this where she might say to me, life, are you okay if I share some feedback or are you okay if I share some ideas with you? Ooh, and, that's good. Yeah. That's it's, it's like good. this inviting yourself in because it's so much better than saying, well, you know, what you should do is, you know, right. don't fill in the blank. And, and again, you know, we feel defensive at that because it makes us feel like we couldn't have come up with that on our own. And right. automatically we want to shut down. So when it's inviting questions, these questions that we have in the book, these conversation starters are really meant to allow there to be kind of equal footing and, and, and an inviting exchange between you rather than, um, you know, what sometimes can become a, a heated conversation or disagreements. It, it's a really open invitation to get responses from each other. And that's just so good because we, it's so easy to come across as an accusation. And, you know, unless we know as the person who's maybe giving feedback or saying something, unless we know to say, you know, I don't think you really meant to make me feel this way. But when you said this, did you realize this is how it made me feel? I mean, we're not, we're not usually that good at starting that conversation or, you know, trying to turn it into a, a positive mode rather than if you're feeling defensive, you know, and I don't know. I just yeah. think it's, it's so wise to have those conversation starters. Like, so do you have a whole chapter of conversation we starters? We do. We do. Wow. We have a number of those and we also have them. Um, we, we put them together in a list that, that anybody can download from our website and you could print these out and I, I keep them by my, my desk where my phone, my phone sits. And so um, I refer to them, you know, but I think that sometimes we just don't know what to say. And really that's actually where part of this book came from was that my mom has been um, a licensed professional counselor. She's a doctorate in counseling psychology and she would have, you know, people share with her. I just don't know what to say to my daughter or to my mother. And so she just is, I call her the language coach and she um, put together a number of statements and I added some as well, but she just really, because when she would try to speak to her own mom, who was an alcoholic and who verbally was abusive, she just felt like there was an immediate shutdown when she would try to talk to her mom as a young girl and even, you know, into her adult years. And so what she discovered was really being able to affirm a relationship is so important, such as something like, you know, I want us to have a good relationship. We do have a problem or we do have this issue, but I believe we can make repair. You know, like I believe we can, we can work through this. Mm. And then this last question is so freeing and it's, what do you think we need to do to make things better? So it gives mm. that other person a chance to say what they're thinking without the initiator of the conversation putting it all out there. 
Well, what's so powerful about that is, you know, when we're thinking stuff in our head and we're not saying it out loud, it can get so warped, especially if we're angry or we're frustrated, it can just spiral. And, and then when you finally actually, you know, are invited into actually expressing verbally how you're feeling or what you think needs to happen, then when it's said, you know, you, I, I've, I've done that where I go, I can't believe I was even thinking that, <laughs> you know, so it's, that's such a healthy way to approach it. You know, I think you're right because we, we tend to think about things in our head and, and sometimes those things come out pretty quickly. We don't even realize how, how quickly it goes from our mind to our lips. And there's things that I wish that I could say again. And my mom calls it the, uh, you can't unscramble the egg principle. When, mm -hmm. Once those eggs are poured in the dish and you start, you know, cooking, you, you can't unscramble those eggs. And so the same thing with our words when, when they're out. Um, really our only recourse at that point is to, is to then ask for forgiveness. And it was really a principle that my mom taught my brother and I when we were little, um, just some, some basic words on that that I'll share quickly. And that is that um, we were taught this phrase of, I was wrong to, and then you fill in the blank. So you name what it was that you did. And then you just simply say, will you forgive me? Mm. Um, because it does acknowledge, or you could even say, I'm so sorry for what I did and then you name it and then you say, will you forgive me? Because I think naming it is so helpful for us to say out loud and also for the other person to hear that you're taking responsibility for what you did. Um, and then the reverse is true. If, if someone has really hurt you and they haven't asked for your forgiveness, um, we always think it's a good idea to, when you are able to talk to that person or it might even come through a letter if that person is no longer with you, maybe it's your mom and your mom's not with you this, um, this Mother's Day for the person that's listening and thinking about this. Um, it's such a good idea to verbalize, you know, I choose to forgive you for the things that I have felt from you and um, I release that from you. And, you know, just even saying that out loud is so helpful in our hearts. And we, we have some, some language in the book, in the forgiveness chapter about what this can look like. But when we hold on to the unforgiveness, mm. it really, as you know, Athena, it, um, from, I know some of the, the great messages that you've published and talked about yourself, that when we hold on to that unforgiveness, it really creates such toxic, um, things in our body and in our families. And we just, we want to live without that. <laughs> the world is already, you know, trying to come against families enough. And so when we continue to hold on to toxic thoughts and behaviors and, um, you know, things that have come into our families, it's so important to address those things. And so I think forgiveness is another big, big piece between mothers and daughters. Absolutely. And that is just, it's, I just think the enemy knows where we are vulnerable and loves to keep us angry and keep us bitter and keep us divided. And, you know, it takes some real intentionality, like not only forgiving and, and naming what you're forgiving or asking forgiveness for a, and saying you're sorry for a very specific thing rather than the, well, I'm sorry if I ever did anything to hurt you. Are we okay now? Well, no, because, <laughs> you know, be specific. That's, that's really the only way we can be authentic, I think, and really have some godly sorrow. But just, you know, so much time, you know, we'll go to bed angry and scripture's so clear that if we go to bed angry, we're in 
you know, we're giving a place to the enemy. And that's what keeps us bitter, fuels that bitterness. And then it's just this ongoing cycle. It's so true. And, you know, um, a lot of like our choosing not to forgive someone um, really isn't, shouldn't be contingent on them asking us, um, mm-hmm. you know, because we've been forgiven by God, then we want to be able to extend that to others. And, um, you know, I, I just think it's so important that we don't hold on to things that, and I know that there's some that are listening that have lots and lots of years of hurt and neglect. And so we're not saying that those things didn't happen and, oh, you should just forgive the person. Right. Um, there is a healthy process to walk through that forgiveness. But we do recognize that God, and this is all coming from scripture because in Isaiah and two places in Isaiah that we based our book on Isaiah 58, 12 is one, um, God delights in being a repair of the breach. And there's so many breaches in families. In fact, that verse talks about how he will rebuild the ancient ruins and he will raise up the age old foundations. And he said, you will be called the repair of the breach, the restorer of the streets in which to dwell. And so it was God's idea for us to restore with each other and for him to be the one that repairs the breaches between us. And he's the, the reason and the way that we can do that. So what we've tried to include in, in the book is just some healthy ways of doing this and saying this. Um, we're not putting a bandaid on it or trying to pretend it didn't happen. We want to address things health, healthfully um, so that we can move forward in our families and have good relationships. Mm, that's so good. So, so how do you recognize, because I'm sure there's not just one or two women listening today that, how do you recognize unhealthy generational patterns in family relationships? And then actually, what steps can you take as a mother or daughter to actively begin to break those patterns? You know, it could be anything from feeling like, um, you know, you're not wanted in your family to how you brought shame, how someone brought shame upon your family or caused some divisions to take place or any other lie that feels true. Because as you said earlier, um, Athena, that the enemy will use and twist anything Mm -hmm. to, you know, tear us apart, to to turn us against even our own family. Um, He hates that unification of loved ones. And so I think some of the, the real tangibles that we've seen where these patterns exist in families are, um, you know, anger, just real deep seated anger, control, um, living your life without the power of God. Um, and I, and I think that when we recognize maybe how we are, sometimes we can let a family situation just take us down a wrong path of thoughts and actions. And so it's so good to, to see those things. And we knew from past history that uh, my family had had um, issues with alcohol and anger. And so when you know the things that are in your family, in fact, we, ha- we, we make um, just a, you know, an encouragement to the reader to think about doing a family tree and writing out the different things that you know about previous generations, because it will help you mm. tag the things that you're seeing in your own family. And so sometimes we have to go back and look at, well, what were those things that some of my family members dealt with? And so that it's a good indicator of what you might be experiencing. Nice. So, okay. What do you hope readers will take away from Mended? And, and really what's your vision for restoring relationships between mothers and daughters? We really hope that 
regardless of whether a, a person's mother or daughter comes closer to them, that that they realize that they can be okay, even if their relationship doesn't get restored or repaired. Um, sometimes I think in life we we continue on just in this real state of my life will never be better and I'll never get that relationship and I'll never have it. And so we want to just encourage women to pray for it, to pray for the person that you're estranged with. Maybe it's your daughter, maybe it's your mom, or maybe you're not necessarily estranged, but there's just a lot of awkwardness in your relationship or it just feels weird or out of sync and your communication just isn't always consistent. And so um, we want that person to know that, you know, through the power of God that we have seen changes happen and that, I think one of the things is that we've held on to being right where we need, we feel this need to be right in our relationship. And so um, releasing that is so important to just be able to say, you know what, it isn't always about me and about what I think is right. Um, I, I need to listen to the other side. Um, and we also want mothers and daughters to know that they don't have to repeat the patterns that have been in mm -hmm. front of them when it comes to how they were mothered, um, that they can set things differently for their families and future generations. Um, and I think the last thing would just be that, you know, restoration with people was never meant to fill us, but we are built for relationships. I mean, God has designed us to be mothers and daughters. He knew that she would be your mom and that you would be her daughter. And so even though those relationships are, are vulnerable, um, God is more than capable of, of restoring. And so when, when it looks like hope is lost, we would just want to encourage women to never, ever, never give up. Mm. Amen. Okay. So in closing, I would just love for you to share one or two tips or tools that would help our listeners zero in on, you know, even when you can't feel it, that God really is continually working all things together for good, even your broken relationship with your mom or your daughter or you know, those things that are still not fixed, yeah. what can help them? You know, one of the questions that I've had to ask God a number of times is, um, God, what would you want me to see in this situation? God, how would you want me to look at that person? And that might be a situation where I have had um, hurt feelings or where I'm just not seeing things turn around or maybe felt hurt. Um, I know with, even with my own mom, um, back to her health story for a second, when she was really having to start over again from after chemo with learning how to eat and walk again, like just basic things. I was asking him, you know, God, what, what did you want me to see out of this time? Because I don't want to miss it. Even though this is uncomfortable, I know that there's something here that you're wanting to share with me. You're wanting to show me. And so I don't want to miss it because I'm complaining or because I'm not grateful for where we are. So I think that that question seems to be one that I feel like is a good question because it's asking God to show us something tangibly it might come through a verse that you read in the Bible. A, a friend might call you someday that day and encourage you or um, God will provide for you in a way that you didn't expect. And, and maybe even your mother or daughter will reach out to you even this Mother's Day when you don't expect it. And so I, I think it I think it's really important, too, that we continue to pray for the person that's um, hurt us or that we're distanced from. 
you know, I, I can have a lot of thoughts about somebody, but the most holy thought that I can have is to put that person before the Lord in prayer, mm. because I guarantee it. And I know, you know, this, it changes your heart when you begin yeah. to pray for someone rather than think in your head, well, how am I going to respond to that person? If they do email me, what am I even going to say? Should I tell them everything I'm thinking? But when I can genuinely hand them over to the, to the Lord and love in return, mm. um, love, you know, we know the verse love never fails and love always gives back. And so it's hard to do. I know it's hard to do, but I know that, that, that's really the, the path that, um, that God does work things for his benefit, for our good, when we're willing to, to love the way that Christ loved us sacrificially. Mm. Amen. So, 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 so good. It's, you know, when you ask the Lord, what are you trying to teach me here? What do I need to see here? That's, that's a humble heart. And that's, that's when we get answers. <laughs> when we think we know the answer, that's when we don't get them because we're too prideful. So I love that. So, okay. Um, wrapping up, Blythe, where can our listeners find you? Where's the easiest place to connect with you online? You know, we would love for people to check out our website. Um, it's our mended hearts, just O-U-R mendedhearts.com. And we do have some conversation starters on there for people. They can download. Um, there's also some lock screens and some other, some other fun free things. We also um, are on social media where my mom, Dr. Helen McIntosh, and I are both on Instagram, just under our names, Life Daniel and Helen McIntosh. And then we're also on Facebook, so um, under our names as well. So we would love to hear from people and we would love for you to share if you have a prayer request that you would like for us to pray for your relationship with your mother or daughter. We would love to hear that. Um, we won't use your names publicly, but we would love to pray over your relationship. We just love seeing mothers and daughters draw closer together. Mm. Oh, this was, I knew this was going to be good, but wow, this, I, I would love to, uh, I, I think everybody, listen, I mean, everyone listening, just that conversation starter chapter, that by itself, oh my goodness, powerful and but just so many other things that were so helpful for such an emotionally charged area in our lives. And mothers and daughters out there, go get a copy of Mended. And uh, Blythe, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. God bless you. You too. We live in tenuous times, so how will we as writers and communicators rise to the challenge? As women of faith, we have the opportunity to shine in the face of uncertainty. We believe now more than ever, Christian women like yourself who have a message of hope need to be empowered to tell your story. So to meet this need, Redemption Press is offering an online conference. She writes for him, Now is the Time, with three full days and 33 publishing industry professionals ready to train and serve you to strengthen and sharpen your message. Mark your calendar May 14th to the 16th and join us for a hands-on, resource-packed event you won't want to miss. Visit SheWritesForHimConference.com and sign up now. All right, we are back for the second half of today's episode. 
And we are here with Redemption Press author Mary McCullough, author of Glorious Mess, From Broken to Bold and Beautiful. Mary, welcome to the All Things Podcast. Thank you, Athena. I'm thrilled and honored both to be here with you today. All right. Well, just as a proper introduction, um, Glorious Mess from Broken to Bold and Beautiful is Mary's debut book. She lives in Decatur, Indiana with her husband, Jeff, and they are parents of four adult children and grandparents to Emma, Brody, and Jackson. Mary is in her 28th year of education and is currently an elementary principal. She enjoys spending time with her family and friends, as well as reading and writing in her free time. I love sharing little known facts about the people that I introduce on this show. So Mary co-founded God First Friends with her best friend. And uh, GFF is a 501c3 designated to encourage, equip, and empower women to live in the freedom of Christ. And together, they ran a, a small gathering place called The Table in their hometown. Mary enjoys taking mo motorcycle trips with her husband. Okay, I got to ask you, what kind of motorcycle? Oh, we ride a Harley. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and she loves to vacation with her family. So that is, um, it's just a... a delight to have you on the show today and to just hear more. I mean, your entire book is full of Romans 828 stories, so I'm sure it's not going to be easy for you to pick just a few to share in this first piece of the um, our time together. But Mary, what would you like our listeners to know about how God has worked all things together for good in your life? Oh, I think you're so right. Finding just one story will be so difficult, but I, um, I have seen God's hand over and over. And I think the greatest story um, has, was probably my hardest personal story. I um, was pregnant at 18, um, married my high school sweetheart, and that was hard for me. I was a perfectionist and a rule follower. And, you know, that um, took me a long time to forgive myself and to accept God's grace. But today I've been invited to share with our local um, Hope Clinic. It's a crisis pregnancy center. And God is working my mistakes for the good of some young women in our community to share not only um, the Bible study that I've written, but just my life and my journey with them to give them encouragement and to help know the forgiveness and grace of God whenever we make mistakes that, um, that seem so hard to overcome. Hmm. So tell me what happened then when you, you became pregnant um, at a very young age. Did, what, did that, what did that end up looking like for you? Um, my husband and I, we both came from Christian families, and so we had the support and the, the direction and the guidance of our families. What made it very difficult was, you know, your, your high school age, college age, and so those around you aren't doing the same things. And we, we took on a lot of judgment and things, even from those within the church. Mm -hmm. And that made it very, um, very difficult, especially for someone like me who who felt um 
already the shame and guilt of making some choices, um, it made it very hard for me to overcome. And I felt like I just had failed, um, mm. maybe fallen from the grace that God offered. And it took me a long time to come around to be able to accept forgiveness because of remarks and things that had been made. And um, yeah, that was, that was a journey, a, a, a long journey of, of processing and, and trying to open up. I think it closed me up a little bit. Yeah, the church is, is uh, really, they, they do really well at shooting their wounded. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, I don't think anything was ever with ill intent. It was right. carelessness. Um, yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, uh, the church is supposed to be a place of safety for us. And when we go through times like that, that unfortunately, you know, it's, and you're right, people don't mean to be mean. No, they just, you know, some, some of the comments and the awkwardness and, and all of that just leads to heaping more shame. Yeah. And that's, to go through that and to process through that and to still love the Lord, you know, that's, that's a testimony to, I'm sure the women that you now are able to minister to that are going to relate to your struggle. Yeah. And I think, I think going through that journey helped me realize too, that, you know, we all have such different personalities. Others who have gone through that journey, they're not as maybe affected by someone else's comments and maybe more secure in who they are. But realizing that I wasn't, and I, um, God has also brought me to realizing that I only need his approval. And mm. so part of that journey was just realizing that it's okay that I don't have everyone else's approval. And that, that was a good learning for me. It was difficult, but a very good learning. And I want other women to know too, that at the end of the day, we have to be right with God. And there will always be those who don't approve. And um, that's okay. Right. Well, and to be a perfectionist, I mean, that probably made it even worse. Yeah kind of compounded the plus the problem <laughs> exactly because when you're a perfectionist you want to do everything perfect you want everybody to like you you want you know and yeah. so wow and I'll, I'll bet i'll bet a lot of women that's a common struggle that you know when we are open and honest and transparent and authentic about having gone through that struggle and having come to that realization that really his approval is the only thing that really matters. That's a, that's a real freedom that you're an example then for other younger women now who are probably going through the same thing. Yeah. I feel like, you know, um, I want to start my own AA group for recovering perfectionists because <laughs> it is, it is a world of hurt that we heap upon ourselves by feeling like we need to live without error and that when we make those mistakes the recovery time is so long and so it kind of became a joke bef between my best friend and I that we just were looking for a quicker recovery time when we'd make mistakes you know now where it's not taking us months to recover and forgive ourselves it's taking us weeks or hours or moments and so mm. um 
that that is part of the freedom I want um, people to know. My girlfriend and I, I, like you had said, started God First Friends, which we just really want women to know um, how to help support each other in whatever our issues are that we don't have to live bound up by things, whether it's our personality traits or our mistakes or whatever, those things don't define us. Right. So, so that is that then the um, God first friends, is that just a, not just, but is that a local ministry? You know what? It's an online ministry. Um, We currently, we both enjoy writing just kind of in our free time. Actually, my book is the first published thing we've put on there, but just sharing daily blogs or weekly blogs, whatever we happen to have, but just being really transparent and authentic, um, letting, letting other women know, you know what, we're messy. And that's kind of what the whole premise of the book is. Um, it's okay to be messy. That doesn't define us, but in that messiness, God is refining us. And so we kind of need to embrace our messes instead of letting our mess try to rule the roost. <laughs> mm. um, yep. Yeah. Good. So, okay. So let's, let's transition a little bit into um, the book. Uh, so what motivated you to write Glorious Mess? Um, actually, a lot of what I'm sharing, you know, the whole perfectionism, um, it really, I've never really set out to be an author. I started journaling several years ago because I felt compelled that God was telling me just to write my story. I didn't know what that meant. So I just started every day journaling, whether it was a scripture that I was pondering for the day or um, pouring out my heart to him, writing what I learned. And then I, I began reading the book of Hannah when my son was really sick. Um, and you know, when you have sickness in your home, unfortunately that leads to a lot of other things being out of balance. And so it felt like as a perfectionist, you're kind of a control freak as well. So it felt like I was losing control of absolutely everything and there was nothing I could do to make any of it better. And then I, of course, the shame and guilt in that perfectionist realm, but I was led to the book of first Samuel where I met Hannah and um, I kept coming back to her and back to her because, you know, in her story, Hannah is married to a man who loves her dearly, but he's also married to another woman who bore him children because Hannah could not. And Penaniah, she, she comes back and she's taunting and ridiculing and really brings Hannah to a place of shame and hurt and brokenness. And she became my friend because in the church, we don't talk about our hardships as openly as I think we should. And Mm -hmm. so when I looked around, my people all looked like they had it together. And now I know they don't, didn't, but it appeared that everyone had it together, but me and I could not wrap my head around, did I not love the Lord enough? You know, what was causing some of these things? And then I met Hannah and realized that she was broken and messy and God loved her so much. She showed up in scripture and I was just wowed by the fact that this mess that I had on my hands wasn't the end of my story. Right. So I just journaled it a little bit, little bit. And in the end, um, as I was on what I call the 
the from broken to bold and beautiful part as I was finding healing and becoming stronger inside um, with God's grace, I realized that all these pieces together were my story. And so mm. that's kind of what motivated me to, motivated me to write it was, <laughs> it just kind of came together. <laughs> right, right. Well, it sounds like an incredible ministry tool. So uh, it's written as a Bible study. Tell us about the format of the book. Okay, the format is, you know, because we talked about God First Friends, I really believe in the power of friendship and accountability. And so when I, when I put the devotional together, I broke it into four parts. The first part is the lesson. And it's just, I'm not a deep theologian. I'm more of a let's talk kind of girl. Mm -hmm. And so it's just a little bit of a nugget of information from Hannah's story or a related scripture. And it, it's just in a bite-sized nugget for the day. And then that leads into the part called make it personal, which I think when, when God calls us to meditate on scripture, he wants us to think about how does this apply to me? How can, how can it be used in my life? And how can he work in and through me? And so that in that part, that's where I share a little bit of my brokenness, my mistakes, my learnings. And then encourage the, the reader to think how they might apply this to their life as well. And I really encourage them to be honest and authentic because in this study, Matthew 5.14 is just the powerful piece of it is by opening up to others, we prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. So when we can break down our own walls and barriers um, and be authentic, not only with other people, but with God that's when the transformations can happen. And so that's the second portion. Then the, the third portion is called, and so we pray, whatever it is. And so we're going to pray about it. And then mm. finally, there's a piece where um, it's just a discussion question that you could, whether you'd want to get together weekly or at the end of a study or however, but just questions to help, you know, draw you and your friends into some deeper, more transparent relationships. Mm. That sounds so good. In fact, we do um, at our uh, little bookstore at our offices, we're, well, before the pandemic, we were <laughs> doing Wednesday night uh, book clubs and Bible studies. And um, that sounds like one I would love to, to, you know, implement with our ladies. Um, so tell me what topics and lessons are covered within the book. Um, it's, yeah, it's actually, there's a, a whole, um, I don't, can't even think of a good word, a whole variety of mm. things that are covered, but some of the things that are dealt with in the scripture are things that are not foreign to women. Um, women in the Bible were no different than women today. And unfortunately we deal with things like pride and jealousy. Mm -hmm. Um, we deal with that whole piece of competition where, our insecurities well up and so we can look at a beautiful woman and and then we we criticize her parenting because you know we can't argue with the beauty so <laughs> where do we go all right and, and so um it deals with you know some of those kind of things uh deals a lot with being authentic um one entire week is devoted to what do we do in the wait when we've like hannah prayed and prayed for something and 
it just feels like nothing is happening. So what are we called to do in the wait is a huge part, part, portion of it. Um, and then the last portion really focuses on, you know, at some point your situation's not gonna change immediately. So that's time to rise up and pray and praise. And, you know, Hannah got up, she wiped her face, she ate, and she just knew God heard her. And so we have to get those scriptures so deep that we can stand on them. Mm. So those are the kind of things, but I don't think they're anything that is uncommon to any woman, regardless of social status, career choices, family life, married, not married, you know, right, right. men or women. Yep. <laughs> so, yep. Oh, yeah. that's so good. That's so good. Okay. So as we're wrapping this up, um, I would love to have you share a, just a, a tip or a tool that would help our listeners remember how God really is working all things together for good, even if you're in the middle of a mess that's not glorious yet. Yeah. Um, I, I think that the tip is to remember that those messes do not define you, mm. but if you will allow, God will use them to refine you and he will do an amazing, beautiful work in you. And so, you know, just remembering, yeah, he, he's, he is always at work, even on the worst, most ugly day, hmm. he is up to something. Amen. Amen. So good. So um, would love to let our listeners know where they could find you. Are you, where are you easiest to find online? Um, the easiest one is I'm online. I'm um, Mary McCullough on Twitter. Um, okay. Yeah, just Mary McCullough on Twitter. On Facebook, I'm just Mary McCullough. Okay. I um, have a, a blog site at godfirstfriends.org. Okay. So we have some free resources on there for women. Um, and we would love to have women um, submit information, share the piece of their story. So we have a submission page as well where they can give some information and we can post their stories for them as well. Oh, nice. Encouraging one another with uh, lots of different stories. Yep. I love that. I love that. Well, thank you so much for being with us today. It's been an absolute delight to have you on the All Things Podcast. Thank you, Athena. I sure appreciate it and have enjoyed my time with you. Amen. So thanks for joining us today for the All Things Podcast, brought to you by Redemption Press and the Romans 828 Bookstore. So hey, I'd like to ask you a favor. If you would consider sharing this episode with your friends on social media, of course, only if you thought it was helpful, or if you haven't yet left a review of the podcast on Apple, I would really appreciate it as you know, it'll help other people find the show and let them know it really is a good one to listen to. So thank you so much for listening today and I'll see you next week.